Welcome to This Wayfaring Life, where we celebrate coming fully alive to the adventure of following Jesus. I'm your host, Dawn Jackson. Each week, we lean into stories and conversations of faith and hope seasoned with just enough grit to give you traction. I'm glad you're here. Hey friends, welcome to season one, episode 18. And this may be the final episode for this season. I'm not yet sure. I I have an idea for something for next week that I might do because this is the end of the year. We're coming into Christmas now and next week we'll be heading towards the new year, but I might take next week off. I'm still determining exactly what direction I want to go. And the main reason for that is I'm very, very focused on what's happening with 2024 and super excited about the direction we're going to go with the podcast, as well as uh, lots of cool, exciting things to talk about that I'm going to be doing through this Wayfaring Life, my business, and all all types of things. So uh, still playing with that a little bit. So if you don't see a podcast next week, I didn't forget about you. I'm just uh, hunkered down and writing and ready to go for 24, and I'll see you at the top of the year. Now, we are still coming into Christmas, and if you are looking for that perfect gift to give your, to your trailsy friend, or maybe you are a trailsy person and you're looking for the perfect gift to give to yourself, today's shout out is, uh, this is one of my favorite pieces of gear, both for hiking and backpacking. It's called the Katahdin Be Free One Liter Water Bottle. And, um, basically this, it's a, you can get this through REI. I'll put a, I'll put a link, um, uh, as always in the show notes, but this particular water bottle, first of all, it's collapsible. So it doesn't take a lot of space if there's no liquid in it, if you don't have any water in it, which I would only recommend putting water in it and you'll know why here in just a second. But if there's no water in it, you can crumple it up and you can stuff it somewhere like in your backpack and it doesn't take up excessive amount of space. But when you do use it, so like I take it when I'm going to be anywhere near streams, particularly running water, you could use it with lake water and stuff as well, but you just go and you just scoop the water into the collapsible section. And then when you screw on the top, it has a built in filter. And so then you just can just drink directly from it and the water flow Um, it's not hard to get the water through the filter. Like it comes out at a really nice flow. So you can get a really nice drink of real cold, refreshing stream water and know that you're not going to get Giardia, which if you don't know what that is, you really should look that up because that's a nasty thing you do not want to get. And it comes from, uh, drinking contaminated water. So it's always good to have filtered water or a filter to filter the water out on the trails. And this is what I use. So highly recommend it, get it for a gift for somebody. Maybe you got some Christmas money. Maybe you got an REI gift card. This is a good thing to go and to get. Now, hey, in today's episode, I want to focus on bringing beauty into broken places. We are heading into Christmas next week, so it's a natural time to become a bit more reflective. And recently, I was reminded of the story of the cellist of Sarajevo. And uh, you may have heard of the book, The Cellist of Sarajevo. It's a fictional book, but it's inspired by a true life event. There really was a cellist in the city of Sarajevo and his real name. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but his real name is Vijan Smelovic. And during the war, which took place there in the nineties, there was a mortar shelling that killed 22 civilians in the besieged city. Um, now by one account that I was reading that these people had been lined up to get food, 
Um, Whether that's exactly how it was or they were at a market, the reality is, is that these were not soldiers. These were civilians. They were getting food because their city was under siege and they were hit by uh, by this mortar shelling. 22 victims, 22 lives cut short. So Smelovic, what he did is he carried his cello into the midst of the rubble and for 22 days straight in May and June of 1992, he played, and I'm not sure if I'll pronounce this right. It looks like this is Italian, but Albinoni's Adagio in G minor in the midst of the ruins. Now he was fully exposed. He wasn't doing this undercover. Nobody was guarding him or anything like that. He was alone. And as one account put it, he played in the crosshairs of snipers and artillery gunners and amid the rubble of his own town. All around him was destruction. All around him was pain, ruins, tragedy. There was no hope that any of it was going to come to an end anytime soon. Yet he chose to create and present beauty. He didn't lean into anger. He didn't lean into bitterness, revenge, or despair. Instead, He offered beauty and no one shot him. Everyone stopped to listen, both both the the people who were the snipers as well as those who were being shot at. When he would come out every single one of those 22 days, people stopped to listen. There was no end in sight to the war, but he chose to create and offer beauty. Now, he brought change, did birth change, but not that kind of change like, you know, that the war would stop. In fact, that siege would continue for almost four more years. But offering beauty impacted everybody who listened and on those who witnessed the event. As I said earlier, nobody shot at him. Everyone stopped. They were, they were listening and it changed the direction of people's attention and their actions. It also became a story of inspiration for all who heard about it. In fact, it still today inspires courage courage to step into broken places and choose to offer beauty. I would guess that even as I share this story, even if you've heard it before, you're probably inspired again to act more courageously in the fa- in the face of brokenness. It takes courage to bring beauty to broken places. And you know, as I was putting this together, I began to think about and be reminded of an act of courage and beauty that was, if you will, a gift, if you will, that myself and my family received years ago. It was a gift that uh, sent ripples throughout our family. Now, if you're like me, you think about gift giving, particularly this time of year, if you were to go back and try to remember all the different gifts that you have received in past Christmases and birthdays, probably in most cases, you're not going to be able to recall much. When I think about it, I think about uh, when I was six, my grandparents gave me a Minnie Mouse watch. And I love that watch. And this to this day, it was a pink watch, like a rose colored on the band. And I can still recall Minnie's hands pointing out the time. I had just learned to tell time, which is why I think my grandparents got this for me. Now I had this cool watch. I, I also remember when I was seven, um, I don't come from a family that had money. We, we struggled financially and I really wanted a new bike. And so my dad found an old bike, an old Huffy bike, and he refurbished it. And on Christmas morning, this bike was sitting there next to the Christmas tree. And I still remember getting on that bike on Christmas day. And we lived in a duplex here in Glendora. 
we had a bigger like type of a driveway and I, I remember just getting out there and riding my bike, the wind in my hair. I mean, this was pre helmet days, right? And just being so excited about that bike. You know, besides that, I don't really remember much else on gifts, but this particular gift, this gift changed my world. I didn't know about it at the time that it was actually given, but the ripple effects altered everything. It was actually a huge act of beauty. And I became fully aware of it on the night that my mom passed away. Now, my mom passed back in the year 2000 of respiratory failure. She's only 52 years old. She'd been in ICU for a while. Um, what had happened is that my mom had scoliosis growing up. And back in the day, they didn't straighten the spine. And so she'd had surgery when she was 12, I think. And what they did is um, they fused uh, cadaver bones into her back to keep her back from getting any her, her spine from getting any more curved, but she already had an S curve in her back. It took like three inches off of her height. That's how bad this S curve was. And what would happen is because the spine had not been corrected to be straight, it would block a portion of her lung. And so pneumonia could get into the lung and it would hide in there. And it was really difficult for the doctors to treat it until finally, uh, when, when she was 52, they, they couldn't do anything more for her. So um, I got this call from the hospital that she was slipping away. She'd been in ICU for three weeks. And so I called my dad to let him know. Now, my parents had been divorced at this point for over 20 years. And when they divorced, it was a very, very messy, ugly, complicated, and to some degree public divorce. Um, my dad was on staff at a prominent church here in Southern California and I thank God that it was before the era of social media and all the ugliness that can come with that. But because it was such a large church, my parents were fairly well known. My dad did a lot in the area and working with other churches as well. And so this divorce, it was just, it was ugly. It was known. It was messy. And so um, it had not been pretty back then. But now, you know, we're 20 years later, a little over 20 years later, and my mom is passing away. And so I had called my dad on my way to the hospital, and then my mom died early that next morning. And as I drove home from the hospital, I called my dad again to let him know that she had passed. And as I did, I heard him begin to weep. And so as we both cried on the phone, I told him how grateful I was that they had worked out their differences and had even become friends. I told him how much it meant to me that we could all be at the same location and everyone could get along. In fact, four months prior to my mom passing, we had all spent Christmas together at one house and uh, their very first grandbaby uh, had been born. She was two and a half months old at the time, Brooke, and everyone was at one location. Everybody got along. And I remember that Christmas, like it meant so much to me because there was no drama and we didn't have to, a lot of times when you're from, you know, divorced family, you go to your mom's maybe, and then you go over to your dad's and it's just a lot of traveling back and forth. If you're married to somebody who's also from a divorced family, I mean, you got, there's just a lot of traveling. It could be actually be very, very exhausting. And I just remember that you're thinking, man, this was really cool that we could just be at one place and relax together. So as I think my dad on that, my dad began to open up and he explained how my mom had initiated all of this. He told me how 10 years prior, she had called my dad and asked him to forgive her for her bitterness, which she had had against him all those years. And my dad responded by saying he was the one who needed her forgiveness. 
and that together they talked on the phone for a long time and they let go of the past. Now, my mom and I were close, yet she never told me about this conversation that she had with my dad. However, I had seen things change dramatically in those 10 years from being able to be at the same family events without awkwardness to my dad was even at times like my mom had a piano in the house and my dad was a piano tuner and he would come over and he would tune their piano to that final Christmas that she had where we were all together. In fact, even when my mom was in ICU, my dad went to visit her one of the days in ICU. There was no more bitterness. There was no more angst. The tension was resolved. There was peace. This beautiful, courageous act of beauty that my mom had done by starting the conversation, choosing forgiveness, and humbling herself and asking for forgiveness, it had transformed everything for all of us. I mean, what a gift. Um, and I didn't know, even know it had been given, right? I just began to experience the ripple effects. You know, when you forgive someone, it's a gift to yourself, but it also has ripple effects into the lives of those who are connected to it. That conversation so long ago, it wasn't just about them. It set our family free and it gave us a legacy of peace. And it takes courage to take that first step. My mom was courageous by humbly creating beauty rather than continuing to feed the bitterness, the spite, the desire for revenge. It became the catalyst for this transformation that I am forever, forever grateful for. Now, I don't, I don't share this story with the intent of making anybody feel bad about his or her situation. Marriage, divorce, families, they are complicated. Um, and, and in addition to that, I get that in my case, both of my parents were willing to do this. For some of you maybe that are listening, your ex, you know, your ex will not go there. I mean, your, your ex might be a narcissist and like he or she might be doing everything that he or she can to make your life hard. And so please don't take shame from this or anything like that. You can't force somebody else to forgive or to walk in forgiveness. And also I want to make it clear too, in sharing this, it's not about being in denial of the situation that you have found yourself in or experienced or stuffing your emotions. That is a very unhealthy place to be. I actually believe that to truly forgive someone requires that you face the reality of the pain that was caused and process that pain with Jesus and friends that are close and maybe even a therapist. But, um, but you have agency though on what you will do. And you know, when you think about that cellist story, the cellist did not stop the war, but his choice impacted so many people. He had something he could do. Now I've had, I've had my own challenges with bitterness and I know the freedom that comes with forgiveness. It's that gift to yourself, but it's also those ripple effects. So this Christmas, I want to challenge all of us actually, how might we bring beauty into broken places? After all, this is also the gospel story, right? I mean, in the midst of all the brokenness and the pain and the chaos in our world that's caused by our own sin, our creator chose to create beauty by sending his son, taking on flesh, being born as a humble baby, that he might fully identify with us and rescue us from our sin and our shame and our death. I mean, that's why it's called gospel. It's good news. That's what gospel means. It's good news that Emmanuel is with us. Emmanuel means God 
with us. On the night of his birth, the birth of the child, of the, the Christ child, the angels sang in amazement. And they must have been totally amazed that God would actually break into the chaos of this world with such beauty. They must have been so amazed and possibly baffled that he would love us so very, very much. That's beauty. So let it inspire us. What can, you, what can we even do as we head into Christmas? Perhaps the greatest gift is not going to be all the stuff you ordered on Amazon that's showing up on your doorstep, you know, and that you're frantically trying to wrap or keep hidden from your kids or, or anything like that. Perhaps the greatest gift you could actually give family members and friends is the gift of actually forgiving people who have hurt you. The gift of creating beauty in the midst of chaos. Let's be catalysts of that this season, friends. And next week, like I said, maybe there will be a podcast and maybe not. And, uh, and if we have one, trust me, I, I, I'm not just going to just put anything out there. It'll be strategic. But I am incredibly excited for 2024. So let's get ready, friends. Have a good week. Merry Christmas. Thank you for joining me today on This Wayfaring Life. If you'd like more information on coaching with me, head over to thiswayfaringlife.net where I offer growth coaching for life, leadership, and spiritual formation. See you next time.